Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast and uh, another new episode with a return guest, actually, Paige Griffith. Thank you for hanging out with me again, Paige. Of course. Thanks for having me, Nathan. We managed to overcome a few technical difficulties. And I don't know, it's Monday on the day that we're recording this. So maybe that had something to do with it, too. But we actually had you back on the podcast in episode 130 uh, back in May of about 2019, so like a year and a half ago. And um, I'm going to link to, we'll link to that show in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. If anybody is curious uh, about that first conversation, you want to get to know Paige a little bit more, make sure you go to that episode. And uh, like I said, we'll link to that in the show notes. But anything significant in your, I mean, that's a year and a half. That's a lot of time in, in 2019 <laughs> terms. But anything significant happened in your life since then, Paige, personally or professionally? Yeah, I mean, a lot. So back in May of 2018, I was still clerking for a federal judge that I was working for. And I finished out my clerkship in August of 2018. So at that time period, I was still working a nine to five job. It was more like eight to five more like seven to seven. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I was also running Paige Marie Photography, which was my very successful photography business in Western Montana that I had built up uh, at that time, I guess, for about six and a half years. And after I finished my clerkship in August, 2018, I opened up the legal page in September of 2018. It was like wham, bam, right away. And then I have subsequently opened up Griffith Law, which is my law firm shortly thereafter. And I've been working hard the past 15 months to build up the legal page, add in new contract templates to our online shop, build up my clientele. I've worked with people like Jasmine Starr, Hustle and Flow, Hope Taylor, Libby Rothschild. And yeah, just been virtually lawyering for the past 15 months. And the biggest change has been we've been having to, I would say, shut down the door, like close the door slowly to my photography business, just because I've been able to merge both passions into one. And I lawyer for wedding industry professionals across the United States. Do you like the virtual aspect of it? I mean, I I think we're lucky in 2019 to be in a space uh, technologically to be able to have these virtual businesses that kind of give us the flexibility, I mean, like the maximum possible flexibility as business owners. Do you enjoy that? Yeah, I love being able to do it virtually. I think the law is still as a profession, a decade or so behind. Interesting. So you see a lot of doctors and accountants and nurses are going, you know, to online practices and people who are professionally licensed all around the country. Lawyers are kind of in this gray area. So I'd say there's, you know, there's a select hundred or thousand or just handful of us throughout the country who are doing primarily 
virtual practices. And I think the law will catch up with us at some point in terms of you know, regulations and how to run a virtual law practice. And it's all just kind of a gray area right now because everyone's so used to, I like to call it the, you know, good old boys club, brick and mortar law office down the street. But especially with the clients that I serve, the economy as a whole is going to an internet e-commerce based economy. And so because all of my clients run online businesses, they run social media platforms, they serve clients across the country. It's easier for me to connect with them on that level because of course they don't really want to go meet with someone (laughs) in person. It's way easier for them to jump on a call and talk. That's cool. I mean, as a business owner myself, I'm excited for you. I think that kind of business model is just incredible. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have, first of all, a wonderful team that, that backs up the Photographer's Edit brand. And so it gives me a lot of flexibility. Basically, a laptop and a phone is all I need to, to help run the company. And that's a really cool position to be in. It, you've taken it to the next level and have just seen, you seem to have kind of the ultimate flexibility. It's really about you, your, your ability, your knowledge, your expertise, um, and acting. It's, it's, it's almost like a consulting business in a sense, right? Exactly. Yep. You hit the nail on the head there. I pretty much just consult with various people across the country, whether that's educators or just actual industry professionals that have a service-based business. And, you know, I file trademarks, I do copyright law. And then of course we have the online shop as well. That's cool. Okay. Well, of course we're going to link to your website in the show notes. It is the legal page, just like it sounds, except P-A-I-G-E, just for clarification's sake, thelegalpage.com. And uh, the same thing on Instagram. We'll put that in the show notes. But we have been asking a question, a new question since your episode came out, episode 130 came out, which has to do with brand position. Um, It's one that I continue to be more and more passionate about. Um, In fact, we're going to actually do some dedicated episodes where I'm consulting photographers on the establishment of a clear brand position for the sake of their marketing efforts. I'm going to be speaking on the topic at the Evolve Conference in February on the topic as well. Uh, But I'm curious, for your sake and and for your brand, what has been the brand position that you've established for the legal page? Uh, What enables you to be able to stand out in the marketplace? Yeah, so the legal page is a virtual legal resource that helps educate online small business owners on how to protect themselves. So through the Legal Page podcast, online blogs and resources, workshops and speaking events, template contracts, I ensure entrepreneurs, photographers, wedding vendors, dietitians, and other online educators are legally legit in no time without all the scary legal mumbo jumbo. <laughs> right. Well, but I have to say, I'm I'm a I tend to be a minimalist and I like simplicity. I think it's really important for the sake of communicating, even something like a brand position that we keep things really simple. And if I go to, to the homepage of your website, very simply, you say, I teach small business owners the legal way to set up their business. And here's the, the kind of the key factor without breaking out in hives. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, we're even in the process, actually, of reestablishing a or, or really shifting the brand position at Photographer's Edit. And part of that effort has been centered around considering what uh, Donald Miller 
talks about in his book, Building a Story Brand, uh, the significance of making the client the hero. Instead of saying, we do all these things, look at us, we're saying, hey, here's how we can make your life better. Here's how we enable you to be the best possible business owner. And you speak to that idea. And, and then in the context of your brand position, you, you talk about how you're helping them minimize stress while handle the legal aspect of your business. And I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the whole point that I created the legal page. There was this gap in the industry between people like being terrified of talking to an attorney or even getting into anything that has to do with the law Yeah, because they're, most of my clients are creatives, they're biz, you know, online business owners. They don't really like to actually be back end, legit, you know, figure everything out, all the nitty gritty law and tax stuff. It terrifies them. And that's kind of what I saw was being able to educate people in a space where I know what they're doing because I've built online businesses, but also be able to connect with them in a more generational tone of our online world so that they don't feel like the law is... I guess, detracting from them propelling forward as business owners. So I love the fact that we came up with that brand voice, like you said, that I just try to help people so that they don't break out in hives while we're talking about anything legal related. Yeah. Well, I I think there's... I liken this to my perspective. Uh, I mean, for the longest time, and I've talked about this in the podcast, one of my biggest weaknesses as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, was in the financial realm. And a lot of that had to do with apprehension. I won't bore anybody with with the reasons why, but apprehension or apprehensions that I had around finances, managing finances. And one of the things that I just disliked so much was going to the accountant's office. I mean, in addition to seeming kind of tedious and just something I didn't want to spend my time doing, there was there was naturally apprehension associated with that idea. I can imagine there is a similar apprehension for business owners when it comes to the legal side of things. And so the fact that you make this service accessible virtually, I think is a really powerful thing. You see this even in the in the psychology world too. I just I've been hearing commercial for commercials for Talkspace, which is this virtual platform that enables people to get counseling um, through I think just an app on their phone or at least mm. a through a website. And it enables them to be able to get the counseling virtually. And you know, all the apprehension already associated with going to a psychologist or psychiatrist, I can imagine that that particular platform is an inroads for many people um, that enables them to get the help that they need to, that, that they might not get otherwise just because of the apprehensions associated with it. So anyway, uh, props to you for coming up with a really lovely brand position. And you mentioned something earlier, which I want to highlight for our listeners, which is you saw a gap in the market. And that is a large part of establishing a great brand position. It's looking at the marketplace, not just saying, hey, I feel like doing this. And so this is what my brand is going to offer. That, that, that plays a at least a small role in it. Certainly want to do something that you enjoy doing, that you have a passion for, to borrow the cliche term. But it's important to look at the marketplace and see where there's a gap and go there. Don't just copy and paste what everybody else is doing. And uh, exactly. that's really, really important for everybody to know. So I'm glad that you that you brought that up. Another question though, that I've been asking again, since our last episode together has to do with an impactful business or self-help book or podcast, maybe even that, that you've read or listened to that's made a big impact in your life. What comes to mind? 
Yeah. So I have two things. I just finished Marie Forleo's book. Everything is figure outable. And okay. if you haven't tuned into it, everyone should read it. It's really good. Um, it was more of like a mindset shift book for yeah. entrepreneurs and understanding that, you know, crap happens, but you can only learn and grow from it. And what's the next step and how can you look at what happened in the past and use that to better your future. So okay. I'm love I loved her book and I just finished it. A friend gave it to me. And then I've actually been listening to it. I don't know if it's like a super popular podcast, but I had a client refer me to it when I was starting to stack my team and it's called the Stacking Your Team podcast. Hmm. So Shelly, I can't remember her last name, but she's from Biz Chicks. It's a big community B I Z C-H-I-X. Okay. And um, yeah, so anyone out there that's starting to build their team, wanting to learn more management skills, bringing people on, letting people go, independent contractor world, uh, it's a great podcast to listen to. Huh. Yeah. And and I know that that is not maybe the the biggest market segment. In in the photography world, we we think about sole proprietorship probably being the most commonplace business Mm -hmm. model these days. But the reality, and and this is certainly something that we spent time talking about in the podcast, the reality is if we want to build a business that scales, that helps minimize burnout, considering even even if it means having one or two VAs, virtual admins come on board to help you manage your business, run your business, to hire a second shooter, Right. Or, or anything of the sort, it's important to understand the mechanics of that. One of the things that I've learned uh, as an owner at Photographer's Edit is that photographers have, and in fact, I'm, I'm guilty of the same, and I'm, I'm working through this myself, but photographers have a hard time communicating what it is that they want to somebody else. So at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's easier, they feel like it's easier for them to just do it themselves than to, number one, figure out what it is that they want very, very clearly, and then two, figure out how to effectively and again, clearly communicate what it is that they want to somebody else. It's a process. It's not necessarily the easiest thing, but it's important to learn, especially if you're going to manage anybody. So I'm sure that the podcast would be a helpful resource in that regard. Yeah. And especially anyone looking to hire on associates or extra team members to their teams, photography teams, I would highly recommend something along those lines. That's more business management perspective versus photography perspective, just because you you become a completely different CEO of your company yeah. when you start adding on team members. Yeah, it's very, very true. Yeah. And and again, that's a learning curve for me. So this may, it might be a resource that I need to dig into as well, <laughs> but we'll put both of those in the show notes uh, at bocapodcast.com. For those of you listening in, make sure you take advantage of the show notes. I know I've said this so many times, but Haley really does a great job of putting together all the resources from the conversations, the talking points, you can find that on the website, but you can also find that in the, in the podcast app that you're using if it has show notes. So take advantage of those for sure. We'll put uh, these resources in there. Yeah. And I second that because I went back and looked and the show notes were on point. And I was like, she linked to everything we could have possibly talked about in that episode. So yeah, you guys yeah. definitely go check them out. Cause I was like, Oh, this is interesting. I could go here and go here. And I oh, didn't that's realize cool. that we talked about this person. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One We'll put that in the show notes too, just for everybody's <laughs> reference. But I, I have to, I know that you're, you're kind of phasing out of the photography side of things, but from your photography experience, uh, yet, yet again, another question since our previous episode, one of the most unusual items in your camera bag that enables you to be a better photographer. Does something come to mind there? Yeah, I mean, I still just keep my camera and my 50 millimeter on my camera all the time because when I take it places, I'm able to use it for content creation for the legal page as well. So it's been nice to be able to use my photography experience 
and blend it into content creation for the legal page. But one thing that comes to mind is if any of you have not checked out those new stretchy, versatile, universal lens caps, I think it's from a company called K-U-V-R-D. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Um, but I got it this year and I have them now because I used to use, like lose lens caps all the time. Yeah. And it's stretchy, so it goes over like every type of lens that you would need it for. And it's really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I just landed on their site and they're kind of their, uh, I don't know if you call it a tagline, but it just says size doesn't matter uh, when it comes <laughs> to protecting your lenses. And they've got this quick video demo of, of the product, but that's really interesting. Super catchy phrase yeah, there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really nice to be able to use. I know a lot of you out there probably have like heartburn about losing lens caps like I used to have. Yeah. And so I'm able to just like keep those everywhere. I bought like 10 of them. And so I feel like I'm never going to lose a lens cap because I'll always have one that I can put on whatever lens I need to. That's pretty brilliant. Yeah. Well, the brand name, I'm assuming it's pronounced covered and they just couldn't get the covered camera.com right. domain name. So they went with <laughs> some weird sure. spelling, but uh, we'll put that in the show notes too, for everybody's curious. It does look like a pretty brilliant product actually. So that's awesome. <laughs> well, I, I, when we talked about doing this interview, you had actually suggested something that, and, and I know you and I off air already talked about this is kind of a, a nerdy topic. And I, I love it actually, because it's <laughs> as nerdy as it might be, it's highly, highly relevant, uh, particularly in the last year or two for photographers, we talked about covering terms and conditions and a privacy policy for photographers website. What do you think photographers risk by not actually taking these points of conversation into consideration? Yeah. So the real issue here is people have no idea what a privacy policy is and what terms and conditions are and mm. where to put them in on your website and why you need them on your website. And lots of, you know, the photo- the photographers tuning in are simply that, like we're just putting up our whole photography ba- brand on our website. But what are we doing on the back end when we're collecting people's personal information and any users that land on our website? And what has happened, Nathan, over the past couple of years is we have a couple big privacy and data protection regulations that have come into effect that impact every type of online business owner. And that's the General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR. I'm sure you all have heard that acronym at some point in the past year. That's a European law that went into effect. So any European users or IP addresses that land on your website, that regulation goes into effect. And then now what's happened is this trickle down, which I think is really interesting. And it's going to continue to go state by state uh, throughout the U.S., for privacy protection circumstances. And of course it started in California because that's the tech hub of our you know entire economy. Yeah, yeah. And so California privacy policy laws are more strict than other states at this point in time. And they have a new regulation going into effect on January 1st, 2020, which is the California Consumer Privacy Act. And so that is going to be the trickle down for other states to follow suit. As well as, and I'm just, this is kind of a general overview of why it's important. We have federal laws like COPA, the Child Online Protection Act, um, and of course, federal consumer protection acts. Those all kind of group together 
for you to know that a privacy policy on your website is required by law. That's kind of the gist of what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of laws that impact that. Um, but if you have any type of like email sign up pop up form, or you use Google Analytics, or you have Facebook pixels and you do ads via Facebook or Instagram, overall, I would bet $100 or more that <laughs> your website platform somehow is acquiring people's personal information right. from any users that land on your website. So if that's the case, and this is kind of the misnomer that I hear is people say, well, I don't need a privacy policy on my website. Like I'm not taking people's credit card information through my actual website, but there's other ways that you're using and utilizing users that land on your website, all of their personal information. Somehow it's being collected, I bet you. So that's why privacy policies are super important. And then terms and conditions aren't necessarily required by law, but everyone who has people that land on their website and especially photographers, we need to put up intellectual property notices on our website. And those are in the terms and conditions. So those, it's just, of course, the conditions of use, how, when people land on your website, how can they use your website? Can they, you know, they, of course you want to own the copyright and images and text on your website so that they can't use it by merely just like crediting you that they have to get express permission from you. Those are all things that would be in the terms and conditions. So those, that's kind of why these two matter so much to photographers. Okay. So, and I'm curious though, as far as the IP policy is concerned, I never had, and so this is very subjective and probably just overly simple minded, frankly, but I never had a a problem with clients using my images in such a way that detracted from my brand or that, you know, stole a bunch of money from my brand or my ability to generate revenue. Uh, and so my tendency in 2019 culture would be, I mean, sure, maybe I put a policy in place, but I'm not out to try to, to outline in extreme detail for clients, potential clients that, Hey, unless you actually get permission from me, sharing my images online is not allowed. I'd rather them share my images online for the sake of it's at some point it coming back to me. Do you, do you think that there's a uh, and, and I know I'm, I'm asking a, an attorney, a lawyer about this, but uh, so you're going to have maybe certain biases, but is there maybe a, a bit of a balanced perspective? I understand that like a stock photography website where they make money on the use of their images, that would be a whole different conversation. But should photographers not be kind of looking for the opportunity for the images to be out there as much as possible? Uh, yeah, but I don't think the issue is with the clients. Okay. I think the issue is with other photographers landing on your website or graphic designers or mm. website designers or okay. copywriters landing on your website. And that is the issue that I see the most okay. is people misusing blogs or resources or copy content, completely copying what your about page says and using their, you oh, know, yeah. inputting their own information. So the terms and conditions, I would say, are more for people who are worried about that type of thing. Okay. Um, if you're sharing your website in, you know, private Facebook groups or business groups or having people review your website. I mean, you're putting it out into the world, all of your intellectual property that you own yeah. on this website. And then people who of course sell products that really, really important to have terms and conditions on your website. The issue with 
client, there's no massive issue with clients. And, um, I think that's a totally different topic in terms of should you allow people to use filters and, you know, disseminate your photos in whatever way they wish on the world wide web. I think that's a little different than the terms and conditions for your website on how people can like misappropriate your intellectual property. But privacy policies have to be up no matter what. Sure. Because if you're generating an email list or you're using Google Analytics to like drive more traffic to your site, then that's really, really important to have a privacy policy for that reason. So if anything, (laughs) if you guys are like, that's too much, I can't get both, please just at least get a privacy policy. Well, no, 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 I get it. And actually, again, to my simple mindedness, I when I was when we were talking about IP uh, and I asked that question, I was thinking more about imagery. But you pointed out copy on the site too, present the potential of it being copied by other photographers. And I know that that has definitely happened. <laughs> yeah. And and so that is something interesting to consider as well. Do you want some other brand just coming in and copying and pasting what you do? Again, I tend to lean to the side of if somebody is so desperate that they're going to copy my work to try to create their own company, I, I can just reposition and go a different direction. But I, I think it's a good a good, shall we say, philosophy or approach to doing business to make sure that you've got the bases covered, which is a lot of what we're talking about here anyway. Let's actually, and because I obviously have such limited perspective around this topic, <laughs> let's let's talk first about the three key components of a good terms and conditions copy or text for the site. Uh, maybe just to kind of give our, our listeners an introduction to this idea. And of course, ultimately, I'd love for our listeners to reach out to you to get more information to get help with this. But can you give us just kind of an introduction to this idea of terms and conditions and what they should include in it? Yeah, so the very first thing that's going to affect photographers the most is the intellectual property notice. And that's kind of the key here is we want evidence to back our company up if something were to happen that we put the public on notice that we own all of these things. Of course, copyright is created the minute that you put something in a tangible medium. So the minute that you compose the photograph, put the photo, you know, edit the photograph, export it. If when you create the copy and then you post it on your website. So of course you have common law rights to that, but when you post them on like the notice on your website, that gives you even more of a reason to reach out to somebody to say they infringed on your copyright. Interesting. So, yeah. So you want to make sure that you're notifying the public that you own the photos, the copy, and then you either own the designer of the website or you've been granted a license to use from the website designer. And oftentimes you want to link them there. That's something that people may want to go back and look at with, you know, if they had a website designer that they worked with and their contract, I bet they may have something that you need to disclose on your website that this person created it. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Now, speaking of, maybe you're going to get to this. I mean, the significance of notifying somebody makes sense. But it Mm -hmm. seems as though when I go to a website, and not not necessarily photographers' websites, in fact, most cases, probably not photographers' websites, the terms and conditions are linked to the very, very bottom of the page in the navigation somewhere, maybe. And it's actually hard to find them. In order for us to go back to somebody and say, hey, we notified you of the terms and conditions and the intellectual property element of the terms and conditions. And they're like, well, I I didn't see that. I didn't know where it was. Is there some type of accountability for where we actually place this on the site? 
Great question. People ask me this all the time. So it doesn't need to be like absolutely conspicuous at the top of your header, but most people do kind of like hide it in random places or like it takes two to three clicks to get to. Yeah. So I always suggest at the bottom of your website that you put like another bar that's kind of like a secondary footer. Hmm. And then you have inconspicuous terms, terms and conditions that links to that page privacy policy that links to that page. And then if you are like a professional, you'd probably have a disclaimer as well. Interesting. Okay. Very good. All right. As long as it's on the homepage and in all of the footers of every single page on your website. Okay. And, And making it stand out, like you said, with the secondary bar, that's cool. All right. So IP notice is the first element of a good terms and conditions. What's the next one? Yeah, a refund policy. um, Or if any of the photographers tuning in, I'm sure some of you do, you start selling kind of digital products on your website. That's really important to put into your terms and conditions. At that point, you are triggering the fact that you need a TNC on your website. So any type of like Shopify or e-commerce site that you have. And then age requirements as well is a big one here. So to comply with COPA, they anyone that visits your site needs to be more than 13 years old. And if you're in the age of minority, then you have to have, of course, parental or legal guardian consent to contact the owner of that website. So if they were to like submit a contact form. Wow. Okay. And, and that's, I mean, I know you alluded to it earlier, but that's just not something I would have guessed. So I'm <laughs> glad that you're bringing this up. Yeah. And I think people particularly, Nathan, that are like senior photographers, you're oftentimes talking to, you know, soon to be high school seniors. Yeah. Great point. And it's often best if they contact you to ensure that first next reply or response is to ensure that you can also communicate and that they have permission from their legal guardian or parent. So usually I would suggest that you reach out to them and you say, is this the senior or is this the parent? Can you loop your parent in on this email? Very good. Okay. That, that totally makes sense. All right. So those are a few components of a good terms and conditions. Um, Let's talk about the privacy policy. Yeah. Privacy policy is pretty simple. You're literally going to talk about the who, the why, and the how. Okay. So who you collect information from, that's going to be at the top of the privacy policy, why you are collecting that information for various, you know, tracking purposes, analytic purposes, if you're going to use it for advertising purposes, Mm -hmm. you know, repurposing their personal information, and then how you are using it. So why and the how kind of go together. um, But how you just kind of want to have general information to the users on your website that you're using third party tracking technologies, cookies, website analytics, those type of things. And then, of course, on the privacy policy as well, you're going to explain things regarding minors use of getting their you know, private information, if they were to submit some type of email, you know, to get on your email list or something along those lines. And then the end of a privacy policy has everything regarding the use of their personal information, data retention, and their rights to change their consent. That's really important. Oh, okay. We all see like unsubscribe at the bottom of an email. Right. But it's it's important that you also put that within your privacy policy and you list out how your business is allowing them to change their consent, to delete all personal information, those type of things. Okay. Well, you know what? I I feel like... So a couple of things. First of all, most of our listeners probably know at this point, this is... 
we, we spend so little time selling any service or brand on, on our podcast. Uh, I'm going to break that so-called rule, the unspoken <laughs> rule today. I'm going to say, go get in touch with Paige because this has been a wonderful, um, if, if nothing else, my kind of naivety here is probably, uh, I'm going to assume in many cases, and of course, not in any way criticizing anybody, but it's just, it, it reflects the naivety of probably most photographers and sole proprietors out there. We don't really think about this stuff because we're just so consumed with trying to run our businesses, run our companies. Right. And then, and then something goes wrong and we're like, oh shoot, we should have had something in place. Uh, mm-hmm. So I would like to think that most listening in probably need to to work at actually putting a good terms and conditions and privacy policy in place. If that hasn't already been done, go ahead and reach out to Paige. I mean, you actually have a resource here, a legal resource, and, and Paige specifically specializes in the photography industry, which is really awesome as well. So of course, we're going to link to her site and her services in our show notes at bocapodcast.com. I know this has been a brief episode page, but again, I think it's wonderful because it gives us an introduction to maybe how little we know, but then also how we need to get started. And uh, ultimately, I'm, I'm really glad to be able to send our listeners to you. Are there any other resources that they can maybe check out online on your website or in social media um, just to get a better idea of what you're doing? Yeah. So I, you can find me pretty much at the legal page everywhere. And like Nathan said, it's P-A-I-G-E, play on words with my first name. So I also have a podcast as well. If you guys want to go to the legal page podcast, we have specific episodes that are in regards to website terms and conditions and privacy policy. If you cool. want to just expand your you know knowledge and education on this subject. Uh, the legal page on Instagram, you can follow me. We have tips and tricks all the time. And then I always like to have people head over to the legal page community on Facebook. You can just type that into the search bar. And it's a good place where we, my team and I can answer questions to a general audience and general public so that you don't have to like hire me and become a client. And so there's all kinds of additional legal resources there. And it's a good group of online creative business owners who, of course, want to be more legally legit. Well, and I think this is great too, because this episode is going to come out uh, around the first part of the year. This will give uh, a reminder to those who are, particularly those who are doing work on their website anyway. Um, to go ahead and put the extra right. effort in or at least reach out to you and make sure that on the legal side, they've got their bases covered going into 2020. So I appreciate you making time for us today for sharing a little bit of your knowledge. And um, we'll make sure to link to this information, the resources, the points of conversation in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Thanks, everybody for listening in. And uh, thanks again, Paige, for making time for all of us. Yes, thank you so much, Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.